Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Hello. Hi. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. It's so nice to see you again. So, Sarah, you are the expert of you. So why don't you give us an introduction of who you are, where you trained, and where you're dancing now? Okay, awesome. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Sarah Steele. I am a dancer currently with the Washington Ballet in uh, District of Columbia, D.C. And uh, I am originally from New York. Um, I think you're also, would you consider yourself a New Yorker? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and... I trained with Valentina Kozlova's Dance Conservatory of New York, which is kind of a smaller school among the many ballet schools in New York City. Um, but that kind of training really kind of fit what I was looking for at the time. Um, and she was my uh, coach up until when I graduated um, high school. I started with like a smaller school in Jersey, though, um, initially when I first started dancing um, called None Better Dance Theater. Shout out to mm -hmm. None Better uh, <laughs> for any None Better folks that might watch. Um, anyway, I uh, started dancing at Tulsa Ballet first uh, when I graduated high school. Um, I took a break to go to a semester of college um, and then uh, circled back to Washington Ballet and I have been there ever since. This is my seventh season, I believe. Awesome. So a couple of questions to dive into that. Would you say you had a pretty normal high school experience or were you doing online school? Um, so I attended professional children's school in New York, sure. which is a very um, popular school for ballerinas to be ballerinas in training in, in the city. Um, think of it less of as a kind of performing arts academy and more of a school that would accommodate very weird schedules. So um, you made of it what you wanted to. So if you wanted to do more classes, less classes, harder classes, easier classes, whatever it was you needed, um, they would accommodate. And then of course, you know, with dancers performances and um, all those other things, uh, I would squeeze all my schoolwork in, um, in the first part of the day and then go off, off dancing. Yes, I'm very familiar with their program. Definitely allows dancers to balance, you know, the desire to want to stick with some academics, but also pursue that pre-professional route. But that's not so easy, you know, having to navigate that schedule, going from academic classes to your dance classes in the afternoon, which kind of segues me into my next question, which is, was there ever a point throughout that training that you realized that, this is a two-part question, that food was playing a role in how you were performing in your classes, on stage, and also how you were able to navigate that crazy schedule? Um, yes, 100%. I'd say that my um, kind of 
puberty years into full on like teenage years, I had, I uh, like stopped growing when I was very young. So mm. I was never one of those dancers that like suddenly grew a foot when they were 16 years old. Like I was already in my body um, when I was like a teenager basically. But um, I was very aware of food because um, I had been dealing it with it already for like five years when some of my friends were, you know, still prepubescent. They hadn't really like felt like they were in a woman's body yet, for example, and, and things like that. So um, I definitely had, you know, that kind of awareness of, okay, if I um, like eat too much, I feel slow. I feel sluggish. I feel like I can't do my rehearsal as well as I know I can because I feel slightly ill, <laughs> you know, because I was not I was not understanding like, okay, I am just feeling myself appropriately for what I need to do. I was just so starving and hungry that I would just eat as much as I could and then suffer the consequences um, mm -hmm. by not feeling so great, right? How were you able to navigate, I guess, eventually work through that difficulty in regard to the pre-performance planning? Like, did you have access to nutrition education at that point um, to get in a little bit more planning in regards to your meals and snacks? Because clearly you felt that feedback mechanism from your body. Like, I need this fuel. I need this right. energy. But some, I got to figure this out in a sense that I'm not feeling overly full before I'm getting on stage. Right. So I... I definitely didn't have access to resources that like there was no Instagram the way it is now where there's somebody like you out there really like blasting this amazing information to tons of dancers. So it was definitely a little more kind of that old school um, atmosphere of, okay, maybe like I should do something, uh, a, a specific diet like this. Maybe I should try eating this specific type of snack every single day. And that's like what I'll stick to and have no variety or something like that. So I think um, I definitely struggled in, in that regard. But uh, the great thing about New York City is that like you, if you're hungry, like food is not too far away. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't need to plan all that much. So you, like there's delis and cafes and everything. And so I always felt empowered to grab a piece of fruit or I always felt empowered to like get a tub of chicken salad, which was like my go-to um, or something like that. But for the most part, it was very like me just navigating it on my own and being like, okay, I know for a fact that if I eat like this heavy meal before I perform, I'm not going to feel good. So I would experience the bad and then change course. So it was mm -hmm. kind of trial and error very much for me. But you know, nowadays, I'm sure it's a lot, a lot better to just like have the info out there and to help you, to help you instead of, you know, the way that I went about it. <laughs> yes, totally. I, that's what I hope I'm doing in the yeah. sense of just, you know, getting the info out there, not just encouraging a non-restrictive lifestyle among dancers, but also just teaching about the importance of consistent fueling throughout the day. And like you said, it's, you know, a bit of a privilege living in New York, having that access 24 seven um, to food options. It sounds like you, you know, weren't coming from any internal restrictive place in the sense sometimes I'll hear from a lot of dancers that while having 24 seven access, they're not giving themselves that 24 seven right. access. You know what I mean? So it sounds like for you, it was a, more a matter of trial and error, just like you said, figuring out what works for your specific 
body, what works for your specific schedule, especially. Now, my next question for you, you have this pre-professional training. You now go off into the professional world. You're at Tulsa Ballet, and then you decide to go to college. So what was going on at this point that made you want mm -hmm. to take that turn? Um, I got into Harvard out of high school, and um, I knew I wanted to go. Um, I just felt it was a privilege I couldn't pass up. Um, and I, I wanted, I, I love school. Um, I'm, I wasn't like the ballerina that only, only was obsessed with ballet and nothing else in the world. Like I always had other interests as well. And so um, I didn't want to lose that opportunity. Uh, so basically I had a gap year, um, the way lots of um, kids take gap years now before going to school. That was when I was in Tulsa. And then I went to Harvard for a semester after that. And that kind of serves out as like a placeholder for the future. So currently I'm on indefinite leave, which mm. means I can go back anytime, which is like an amazing thing. Um, because I took that time uh, back in, in 2014 or whatever that was. But I would say, you know, my uh, uh, journey from New York City to Tulsa, Tulsa back home to New York, and then from New York to Cambridge, and then from Cambridge, I actually went back to Tulsa again for half a year before going to um, D.C. Uh, it was a, obviously a very transitory period of my life. I was in no permanent place for an extended period of time. Um, I knew that I was on the go. Um, I also felt like I really needed to prove myself professionally because I was in the studio company in Tulsa. Um, and as you might know, studio company life is very difficult um, in the ballet world. And, you know, it's you and a bunch of other aspiring dancers who feel like you're on the edge of being an official professional, but you're still in the studio company, you know? So um, I did feel like during that time I was working so incredibly hard um, and I tried to get a grasp on my nutrition um, with veganism, actually. Um, I'm no longer vegan anymore, uh, but uh, at the time it was, you know, the first time I was cooking for myself outside of the home. Um, even at school, like it was my first time in a, a cafeteria setting because even in high school, I didn't really have a cafeteria experience. Um, so all of these things were, I was being bombarded with all these different um, options and kind of like an abyss in terms of how to fuel myself. And at the time, like veganism was becoming more and more popular. Um, and I discovered it kind of through like a yoga class that I was taking in Tulsa at the time. And there are all these vegans that were like, yeah, you should totally do this. Um, but yeah, I eventually kind of like transitioned out of it um, uh, about five years later. Yeah. Well, you bring up a really good point in the sense of the messaging that a lot of dancers are hearing around food, whether it might be a fad diet, whether it might be something like vegetarianism or veganism. And I think it's important for dancers to understand that just there is no one size fits all for all dancers. And a lot of younger dancers can hear messaging about a vegan lifestyle or a vegetarian lifestyle and say, oh, hey, I want to do this for purposes of quote unquote being healthier, when in fact, these could also be guises for disordered eating and we often see this more with like clean eating we see this yeah. a lot and that's why I'm always educating with dancers to like you know be super careful in regards to these lifestyles I mean vegetarianism or veganism make sure you're doing it for the purpose of maybe it's environmental factors maybe it's animal welfare sustainability and so yeah. forth and trying to stay away from these lifestyles just for the sake of you know quote-unquote being healthier which again it's 
really related to a lot of the messaging that dancers hear in the studio. It sounds like for the most part, you've been able to sustain a lot of balance in your life from having an academic side in addition to your dance side. But what about throughout the pandemic? How were you able to keep that balance? Um, so uh, over the course of the pandemic, I think there are a lot of dancers that went into this panic. Everyone was like, oh, shoot. I can't jump around the studio like I used to. And just from like a fitness perspective, like you're not expending as much energy. Also, it was a severely emotional period of time for everybody. So there's all these factors that were like, I felt everybody was struggling with um, from students to, to the professionals. Everybody was kind of like, oh, wow, this is, this is going to be difficult. Um, I had an injury um, many years ago that uh, took me out for like three months and I got apply certification during that time. Um, and I'd always taught um, Pilates on the side of dancing here in DC, but then um, over the course of the pandemic, it kind of took form into my own um, virtual fitness business called Steel Sculpt, um, which is the account I'm joining you from now. But basically um, that fitness outlet turned into another way that I was empowering like a positive body image for myself, a focus on like energy and fuel as opposed to like diet and physical aesthetic. I think it's kind of counterintuitive. People think like fitness can uh, worsen those things and worsen body image and worsen um, tendencies towards like fad diets or something like that. But actually it had the complete inverse because whenever I'd watch myself dancing, for example, or see pictures of myself dancing, and I'd look at my body, honestly, like, I had so much emotional investment, and oh, my, my arabesque isn't this, or my turns weren't like this, or I wish that my foot was a little more arched, or whatever it was, but then when it came to fitness, it's like, a plank is a plank, like, you're doing a plank well or you're not um, but there's nothing about a plank that is aesthetic it's all functional you know are your joints stacked is your core engaged all of these things that I became so much more focused on those things as opposed to and seeing my body on video and on social media doing those exercises and I just was like I'm so proud of my body for for working so hard and for being strong and um, my focus completely changed in the pandemic for the better as a result of the fitness venture that I had started. Yes, I think that is so cool and brings up such a good point about dancers being very prone to like nitpicking. I am totally guilty of this as well in regards to nitpicking your technique, whether it's in the mirror, whether it's in a picture, whatever it might be. I love that fitness for you was this outlet that actually helped you focus more on the movement, more on how you're feeling within. So I think that's really cool. One thing of that we see with fitness culture, like you said, is definitely, uh, it could be a slippery slope into right. some obsessive habits, but if we have influencers like yourself, dancers like yourself that are trying to shift that culture to being more about the internal uh, awareness, right? The somatic awareness of what you're feeling through movement. I think a lot of dancers can use that and benefit from that. Yeah. So Sarah, my final question for you is how would you define what it means to be the healthy dancer? healthy dancer a healthy dancer is um dancing for herself or himself um you're completely in love with movement and the feeling of your body going through space whether it's in the studio or on stage 
your discipline is a part of you. It's a part of your identity. Um, but it's also just a part. It's not the entirety. Um, in addition, I feel a healthy dancer is not a picture of something in particular. It has to do more with your approach, like your technique, your unique artistry. Um, and I think it's across the board. I mean, not just dancers, but like any individual. I think that's what makes a person a person. A person isn't a person because of who you are externally. It's who you are internally and what you're serving up to people, whether you're dancing or whether you're in a school course or doing an interview like this with you. So I feel very much that, you know, a healthy dancer is just like a healthy person. It's about being one's entire self, focusing on not just their physical health, but also emotional, mental, spiritual well-being, and really taking into account all of these different aspects, all of the different hats that a dancer can wear throughout life, and also being able to bring that to the stage, right? Not just being the ballerina or the dancer, but in fact, being other parts for you. It's, you know, being an entrepreneur at this point, right? Creating your own business. And I think that's awesome. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. You've given us such wonderful insight. Yay, I'm so glad. And I love chatting with you again. Love your platform. Literally, I will shoot you, uh, shout you from the rooftops on my Instagram because I so wish, you know, when I was um, like a teenage pre-professional dancer that um, I had seen you and seen everything you're offering. And I would have told all my friends, hey, check out <laughs> To The Point <laughs> because it really um, you know, something that, you know, I think fueling ourselves is something that so many dancers struggle with. And you are like the shining beacon of hope for the future generation of dancers to, um, you know, be as healthy as they can be. I, I really appreciate that. And listen, I'm going to shout you from the rooftops too, because I love what you're doing in regards to everything at Seal Sculpt and so forth. So you're bringing some great conversations to your platform as well. And I appreciate that. Of course. Thank you, Rachel.